0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and all my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, everybody, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and you're listening to Little Me Growing Up Broadway, episode 42. We've made it to episode 42, so thank you for joining me for this. We are gonna have a great time together today. We are celebrating one of the best movie musicals I think has been made in the last couple decades, and that's Hairspray. My guest today is Nikki Blonsky, who starred as Tracy Turnblad in the Broadway-to-film adaptation of Hairspray back in 2007 a role for which she won two Critic Choice Awards and received a nomination for a Golden Globe Award and a SAG Award. Since Hairspray, she has starred as Wilhelmina in the ABC Family Series, Huge, for which she received a Teen Choice Award nomination and had a recurring role as Margot in the series, Smash, and also on Ugly Betty. She also played roles in films like The Geography Club, The Last Movie Star, and Waiting for Forever. Her new hit podcast, Nikki Nights, can be found on Spotify and everywhere you download podcasts. And look for me, Mark Tuminelli, on an upcoming episode of Nikki Nights coming your way soon. We caught up with Nikki on a break for filming a new movie in Los Angeles, which we couldn't talk much about, but we hit all the big stuff. We talked about her crazy ride... From high school senior in Great Neck, Long Island, to starring in this huge movie and everything that has happened since. We have such a wonderful, candid, fun conversation, and I think you're going to love it. I've known Nikki for the last about, I'd say, 10 years, and uh, she's a delight, and we have a great conversation. So I can't wait for you to hear my episode with Nikki Blonsky. Here we go. Hi, Nikki. How are you?
1: Hi, Mark. It is <laughs> so good to see your face. You know, there are certain people that when I see their face or hear their voice, they just light me up instantly. And you have been one of those people we were just talking, like we've been friends for Long time. many years, like yeah. over a decade. And you're one of those people that instantly just like light up my heart and bring a smile to my face. Well, I so it was so nice to same be way. here.
0: Well, thank you for doing Little Me Growing Up Broadway. We are going to talk about you growing up. Let's go back. Before Hairspray, before Huge, Ugly Betty, Queen Size, Smash, all the brilliant things you've done. Ions ago. Ions. And all the brilliant things you're doing now, which we'll get to. Let's go back to the beginning. What was this little girl doing in Great Neck that made her parents be like, she's born for the stage. She's born for the silver screen.
1: You know, it was, I was, it was interesting. I was raised in a family. I give my family all of the credit when it comes to the music I was raised with. I mean, my grandmother taught me how to jitterbug at the age of eight in my living room. I mean, what eight year old is jitterbugging? Um, my nan was incredible. She introduced me to Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Patsy Klein. Then my dad was a Rolling Stones deadhead Allman Brothers band. <laughs> My mom was Donna Summer, um, you know, Anita Baker, you know, and all Laurie the disco, Beater, my mom yeah, and your all mom the disco great. queens, you know, and so yeah, it was I there was a huge melting pot of music. And I remember my aunt brought home one time uh, Celine Dion's new album that was just celebrated her 25th anniversary. I forget what the name of the album is, but it was like her iconic one. Yeah. And uh, I remember all
0: times you stood by... That's the album. Yeah, exactly. I think it's like the up close and personal soundtrack.
1: Yeah. There were nights when the wind was so cold. Oh yeah. That one. Oh, so so, good. so I remember hearing that and like all of this music playing in my childhood and I would just sing to it in the car. I couldn't get in a car and not put the radio on. Like Music just fueled me as a kid. And my parents really realized at the age of three that I just wouldn't shut up. I was always singing. I was always singing. When my cousins would come, I remember my cousins came from Florida. We were maybe six or seven at the time. And we dressed up and there were three of us girls. We did a little trio. We put on my grandma's dresses and her makeup and we put on a trio, a performance. And like, I look back now and it's like, those are the things that definitely made me, you know, who I am and, and got me into what I got into. Um, and that's the business and, and acting professionally. I mean, my parents, my parents both worked incredibly hard, middle class, two jobs, paid for my singing lessons. Like they knew that it was a passion of mine. They knew as long as I was singing, I was happy. And, and- in high
0: school, you had this amazing Uh, program at your school and you were able to play lots of roles. Tell the people about your high school roles because they really were like, nobody has that. They get one, maybe.
1: You know what? I have to say, people always say, how were you ready for hairspray? Like, how did you just do hairspray? And I say, it didn't just happen. Hairspray didn't just happen overnight. I... Trained so incredibly hard with my mentor, Dr. Pamela Levy, who is still yeah, my mentor, out. Dr. Levy. She works at Great Neck North High School in Great Neck. She worked at South at the time, and I was going to an alternative high school, um, which was in the town that I lived in, called Great Neck. And there was only like fifty kids, and you could pick if you wanted to go to North or South, the two big, big high schools to do like your sports or your drama or whatever, I chose South and that's where I met Dr. Levy. And I remember I had never really had like a really professional proper mentor before. I had taken singing lessons since the age of eight, but this woman looked at me and it was like, we clicked. Yeah. She knew I was ready to work and she knew the material. And she, I remember she exposed me to roles like Carmen in George Bizet's Carmen. I played Carmen. She um, she taught me the entire score note by note, word by word. I mean, you know, for six months, I mean, I auditioned for the role of Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. I got it, you know, in our high school. Um, I played Madame Chenardier in Les Mis. I played Kate and Kiss Me Kate. I also did some really cool, you know, I was on the improv troupe for two years. That was super fun. But then we did some great, you know, straight plays like the Laramie Project and I played Rebecca Hillicker. And so that school for me, definitely, definitely, definitely set me up, even though it wasn't a performing arts school. That's what was so interesting was they still do a fully fledged opera every single year.
0: Wow. And You're I mean, so lucky to have had that.
1: Yeah. The students play in the pit and everything. I mean, it's incredible. It's all student put on. So, um, you know, and my mom was amazing. My mom, you know, sold out all the tickets. And yeah, Karen.
0: The... Shout, out, shout, out, shout to Karen. out to
1: Karen. <laughs> Honestly, I have to say, like, you know, I look back now at the whole experience that I had, and it wouldn't have been an eighth of the experience if I didn't have my mom by my side. I was oh. very, very lucky to have her with me you know, the whole journey and, um, through the hairspray journey after.
0: And, and well, we're going to, we're getting into that one. So where did, so you're this girl in high school and you're killing it and you know, you got something because you're good and you're like stopping the show in your high school show. Where did the audition for hairspray come up? Was it an open call? Talk to me about the first time you went in.
1: So it was, um, it was, I had originally read about it in backstage uh, I would every Thursday my mom would take me to the train station and I yes, would get <laughs> Yes, I would get backstage and I would sit there and I'd circle all the auditions that I thought pertained to me. Um, and it said hairspray the musical. And I was like <gasps> and then so I auditioned for the musical before I auditioned for the movie. For the
0: Broadway. Musical, yes.
1: Right. And so, um, and you
0: were really young though. So I was 16.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was a baby, baby. And, you know, but Tracy was 16. So in my 16 year old brain, I was like, well, why can't a 16 year old play a 16 year old? And they were like, well, because like after three callbacks, they were like, listen, we adore you, but we just think you're too young because we can hire somebody who's a little older, you know, to play. to play somebody your age, you know, cause we can cheat it on stage. And that's when, you know, I was like, Oh, okay. And, but I just had this, this, I don't know what it was, Mark. This, I don't, I don't know. It was just like this fire inside me. Like I just would not quit. Like I was like, I'm just going to keep showing up until
0: they let me be me. Tracy.
1: Um, Yeah. Until you let me be Tracy. I'm just going to keep showing up. So um a year had went by. It was my 17th birthday. And I went on the Broadway show's website again because I was like, okay, it's a year. I've grown a year. Maybe they're ready. And uh it said, we're casting the movie. And I was like, oh holy mama.
0: This Here is me. Go. This is my time. Okay. And
1: it said, don't it's I was and I was scrolling down to see the ages. And I'm like scrolling scrolling and it says ages 17 to 24. I have just turned 17. I was like, and we're in the game. So I it said, don't send in any tapes. Of course I sent in a tape. Um, and after that, I did six months of open call auditions around the country. I went, I did uh dance audition in Baltimore, which I had never danced a day in my life before that audition. So that was a big learning curve, but so exciting. And then they flew me out here to LA for my screen tests. And, um,
0: and at that point, did you think it was between you and four girls? Did you know how many people they were looking at when you got to that screen test part of this?
1: I didn't. Um, I knew that it had gotten down to a handful of girls. I did not know how many until they told me for you. They said, after the screen test was over, they said, it's down to the four final girls. They said, you're one of the final four. They said, we want to come to each of your hometowns and film in your natural environment.
0: And, and I your thinking- natural environment <laughs> was Coldstone Creamery, which is like not. I shouldn't be laughing at that, but it's just I mean for, where you an ice,
1: for an ice cream lover, that it that would be an amazing
0: natural environment. Doesn't it, doesn't it make you hate do you love ice cream?
1: I I love it.
0: Okay. I, love it. I just feel like if you're working around something, then you don't want it as much. Yeah.
1: I uh, know yeah. I'm I'm definitely that way. I did not eat ice cream while I was there hardly because I had no desire because it was just like 40 pound tubs of it everywhere. Okay, so
0: they wanted to film you at so console. They wanted to
1: film me at console, my natural environment, yada yada. They came with an an entire film crew. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like here I am. It was the night before my senior prom. Um, I'm working a shift. Uh, my bosses are there. My teachers came because they were the ones that were letting me cut class to audition for <laughs> hairspray. So I was like, you guys come like, in case, like whatever's going on. I don't know. Just come. And I was making ice cream for new line cinema executives. And I had no idea if I was asking them, if they wanted rainbow sprinkles or chocolate sprinkles. I had no idea who these guys were. And, um, and so I was just walking them through Coldstone, and then one of them said to me, a cameraman said, I think, uh, I think it's time. Would you be interested in watching some of the other people's screen tests? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like they could ask me to do anything and I would have, have a yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah, they would have been like stand on your head. I'd be like, okay, let me figure out how. Um. So I sat down and it was funny. I was standing up and, I didn't pick it up right away, but the cameraman said, don't you think she should be sitting down for this?
0: Uh, And uh.
1: I sat down and all of a sudden Adam Shankman, our director popped up on the screen and he said, Hey Nikki, it's Adam. And he looked kind of sad. Um, And he was in the dance rehearsal studio that we had just like rehearsed at a few weeks ago. And he was like, well, I just want to let you know that I think you should go make yourself a big ice cream cone because it's you, honey. You got the part. You're going to be playing Tracy Turnbaugh, in the new Hairspray movie. Ugh.
0: I'm like, I, do you feel it now? Even still, like when you retell it, it must feel, I feel, I feel something. So you have to feel. Yeah. I get
1: this feeling in my chest every time, like every time I say that, because I can still hear Adam saying it in my head, you know? Um, because it truly was the moment that changed my life. Yeah. And I remember it almost felt like an outer body experience. I fell to the floor crying, screaming. Funny part was, was it was on a laptop. So not everybody around me could hear the volume. And my mother is standing there going, Joey, which is my brother. Why is your sister on the floor? Tell her to get off the floor. She looks ridiculous. <laughs> and my brother looks at my mother and said, Mom, I, I think she got the part. And then you oh see God. like the whole store erupt and it was just, it was just, it, it. I would say it was one of the most blissful moments of my life.
0: Yeah. It's so incredible. So now you have this huge mountain to climb in front of you. Like you're going to be starring in a movie, having never done a movie before. How did that, how did that situation just not eat you alive? Like how do you stay focused and in the job when you are every five seconds being met with something you've never done before?
1: You know, it goes back to, for me, um, you know, something Dr. Levy, my mentor, used to tell me when I would get so overwhelmed, you know, before I went on stage for Carmen in high school, I was like, I looked at her, I was like, Doc, I don't speak French. I know, I know you taught me to sing in French, but like, I don't, what, what is, like, I can't play this role. And this was like five minutes before I went on stage and she looked at me and she said, Nikki, just go do it. And ever since then, it's like, that's the mentality. They have just go do it, just go do it. And sometimes I still need to hear her say those words. I'll call her and be like, doc, I have a huge performance. And she'll go, just go do it. You know, it's yeah. just, it's that simple. Um, but it was, it was definitely a huge it was a huge learning curve mark because you know not just learning I mean the first time they ever said to me okay we want you to hit your mark I said why would I want to hit mark Got it I mean and, and if anybody who's listening who doesn't know what a mark is a mark is where you're supposed to Next land on the floor yeah. on the floor it's a, it's a piece of tape that's in your designated color. Like they'll be like, oh, Nikki's green. So they'll put a green T on the floor and that's where I'm supposed to land. I didn't even know what a mark was. I was so green, but I was so ready for the challenge because I had just played all of these huge roles in high school, you know? And it's like, I was like, well, if I can do the music of George Bizet and, and Stephen Sondheim, like I'm ready to tackle
0: anything. You feel like you were living up to what was expected of you from the team, from the people around you. I mean, also you have like the biggest stars in Hollywood around you.
1: Well, see, I, I'm a big person. Like I believe in, I, I've noticed as I'm getting older, I need vocal affirmation. yeah I'm like as I'm going through my love languages I'm like well then maybe they apply to business as well
0: I think Um, they might
1: and I you know I'm a big believer in affirmation when somebody does a good job or gives you the take that you want tell them you know be like that was the bomb take that was it that's the one you know what I mean because that right there When Adam Shankman and I did that, the first scene was me coming off of the garbage truck. And I remember we did like two takes and then we did a third one and something clicked in me. And I don't know, it just happened. And that's the take that ended up in the movie was the third one. And I went right up to him. I don't know where I got the guts to say this, but I was like, it's the third take third take I feel best about and he was like I totally agree with you he's like, that's the opening agree- of
0: the movie when you're singing Good Morning Baltimore which truly was when I sat in the theater and watched that first like three minutes I was like this is going to be exceptional and it was and it and it just kept topping itself but that opening man you are brilliant in this movie so hats off I love
1: you all.
0: film this huge film and uh, I'm sure it was a very complicated experience and it was very hard work and you're in Toronto and you're away from your family and your, your mom went with you, I'm assuming through that. Yeah,
1: my mom came with me, my dad and my brother stayed home and they came and visited for my birthday.
0: You, you wrap this, you know, we're going to, obviously we could talk for hours about filming the movie, but you film the movie and it's, it's wonderful and it's done. What was the first time you got to see it before it was released?
1: Um... The first time I got to see it was, it wasn't in like a, a massive, massive theater. I think it was like a smaller, I'm I'm not sure what coast I was on. We were doing press, like early press at the time. Um, and they said, it's time to watch the movie. And I was like, oh, here we go. And so I sat. And I'll never forget, I was holding my mom's hand. She was sitting to my left and I was holding Adam Shankman's hand. He was sitting to my right. And from the minute my eyes opened during Good Morning Baltimore, I was in tears, tears. Mm -hmm. I could not believe that something that I wanted so badly with all of my heart, all of my being, there it was. I did it. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay. Like maybe, this, yeah, this is what we have to do for the rest of
0: of your life. This is is what you're meant to do. The movie comes out, obviously it's a smash and you have to do, you get rave reviews. The movie gets rave reviews. It's the best movie musical that I think has been made in decades. Like Chicago and Hairspray are the two that like stick out of being like, they figured out how to do it. Um, You also have to do, Every kind of press there is. You're doing morning, late night, singing, parade, everything. What was that like getting used to what that craziness is?
1: That was insane. That was amazing. I mean, I'm talking, I came home from filming. I had a week. I came back to New York and I was like, oh, okay. Trying to figure out, you know, just got new agents. We're trying to figure out, you know, what the next step is. And then they were like, guess what? hi, um, you guys just get got nominated for a Teen Choice Award for Best Summer Movie You Haven't Even Seen Yet. Um, they're like, so we need you to fly back out to LA, and then after that, you're going to start the press tour. And I went on a 10-month world tour, uh, it was my mom, Zach Efron, and myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, like most 18-year-olds.
1: <laughs> like, like it, exactly. Like most 17-year-old some, girls. Some tour. kids
0: are being freshmen in college, but you're on a world tour with Zac Efron and your mom, you know.
1: It was just a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> and, but no, I mean, it was wild. Mark, I... I hadn't even had a passport before Hairspray. I flew once to Florida to visit family when I was three. Okay. (laughs) So when I tell you to see countries like Switzerland and England and Australia and Japan and Italy and France and Spain, I mean, I feel so incredibly blessed Yeah, just to, because I was not just there, you know, experiencing these amazing cultures I was there on behalf of a movie I was so incredibly proud of and when you're proud of something and you're like sharing it with these people and I remember one night we watched the movie outside on like a hundred foot screen in a a piazza in uh, Lugano Switzerland and I was like this is real life Like people were like (laughs) hanging out their windows of their like, you know, amazing, you know, like Switzerland apartments, like cobblestone streets, like so different from the U.S. Like it was just so gorgeous. And I'm like, how am I even here? Like, what is happening? I've had a lot of those moments in my life as well.
0: Did that kind of attention feel overwhelming and also to be written about in tabloids? Like you're... This is you' a year ago you were you know playing Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney tell your high school, and now you're on the cover of like Us Weekly and someone's making up a story about you. Like it just feels like too much to handle. Like I don't know how someone that young takes that on.
1: It was a lot to handle. Um, you know, I again, thank God for my family who were just like my family and my true friends who knew, you know, me and who were just there for me through it all. Um, you know, it wasn't, I just kind of dealt with it as with a grain of salt. Like I was like, okay, the paparazzi have a job to do. I have a job to do. Like, if their job is taking my picture, cool, great. If it's a decent picture, decent picture, awesome. Like if it's not, oh, well, then I guess I should have looked a little better that day. Whatever, like, you know, it, it is what it is. I realized when I entered the business that my life was going to be public and that people were going to be interested and want to know, and I'm absolutely okay with that. But as I get older, I am learning boundaries. I think, I think as from playing Tracy, I wanted to give everybody as much access to her happiness and to her as possible, because she is the ultimate, like feel good person. But I've really realized in the past few years that while Tracy and I have a lot of the same ideals and we have a lot of the same morals, we're not the same person. And I can't be that physical representation of, like, pure happiness 24-7, you know?
0: Yeah, I do want to talk about the Golden Globe because that's, like, a really big deal. I mean, all of a Mm -hmm. sudden now you're a Golden Globe nominee. You get to go to this big party. I mean, that's the party everyone loves. Tell me what you remember about that experience the most.
1: Okay, so my Golden Globe year was 2008, the year of the writer's strike. (laughs) <laughs> so there was no Golden Globe. Oh, my God. So it was like Cinderella finally had to go to the damn ball, and there was no ball.
0: Oh, um, that is the worst.
1: But it was fine. I sat on my couch with my family in Long Island. We ordered Chinese food. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, we sat there and I watched Access Hollywood Live. They, they, Read the winners. It was not me. It was Marion Cotillard, which mwah, obviously deserved. Bless. and um, and yeah, I was wearing my pajamas, and I was like, "Okay, all right, I lost. I'm going back to my shrimp chow fun." And that's, that's what, what I did. Sounds like a
0: it's like a very 2020 um, quarantine Golden <laughs> Globes. You yeah. were prepared i'm sure you were being inundated with offers of like what to do next how hard was it to decide where to go after having this enormous success with this wonderful film
1: you know what it was interesting um i I wasn't like enamored with it like i wasn't hit with a ton of offers and my mom and i were having this conversation the other day whereas um a lot of the roles that were coming in were very similar Mm-hmm. Very similar. The the happy plus size best friend or the happy, you know, da-da-da. And that's great. And that's fine. But as an actor, we want to push ourselves. We want to push ourselves out of our comfort zone, out of our limits, out of the limits that the industry has set for us. You know, and I think that's my main goal now. In everything that I do is like, sure, I've played Tracy Turnblad, but I've played a lot of other characters and I've had a lot of other fun and I have more characters to come. So I think that's my main objective is always paying homage to Tracy and paying my respects to her. But you know, it's all about, I'm 32 now, you know, I shot Hairspray when I was 17, oh. you know, and so yeah, so
0: you've I, grown a lot as a person.
1: I've grown a lot as a person and, and, you know, I've learned a lot and, you know, it just, it, it definitely helps you in the business, you know, growing up and realizing that maybe the people that made promises along the way aren't. The you right know, people yes. aren't, the, aren't the people that are going to follow up on those promises. Um, and then the people that surprise you that are there for you when, you know, they're the busiest people in the world and they're the ones that are there for you. So it's it's really interesting.
0: We're going to talk about some of your other projects post hairspray. But a couple of things that I found really interesting is that hairspray a little bit feels like the gift that keeps on giving in so many ways. Because, you know, a couple of years after the movie was out, you're doing the Macy's Parade because they were like celebrating the DVD release. And then um, was that such a thrill? Because you're a Long Island kid like me. So I know what the parade means to us uh, on the LI.
1: The, I'm I'm telling you that right up there with the Golden Globe nomination, <laughs> two highest points of my life. Um, I have been a like a, a fanatic about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade since I'm a kid. I have always I, all I aspired to be was just a balloon holder. I just wanted to, and when I heard that we were going to be on a float in the parade, I lost my ever-loving mind. I was like, no way. We rehearsed for a week. We had this amazing float. We were all on it. All the dancers from the movie, they brought on it. I mean, and we just, I couldn't believe that as a New Yorker, I was in Herald Square with Al Roker like, just <laughs> singing. And I was like, and then all of a sudden, Mayor Bloomberg walked by at one point. He was like, he looked up and he said, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, what that's is going that's... on in my life? Like I was like, this is unbelievable. Um it, it just it was it was incredible to be on that float for sixty walks and just sing at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I did not care. It was amazing,
0: and of course, the movies' on all the time, especially around the holidays. it's it's become like this quintessential like when families together, Hairspray's on ABC Family, like Annie's on and things like that. Do you stop and watch when when you're floating through or are you like, I can't do it?
1: It depends. Like, you know, when it's on e-movies we love or something like that, my friends will be like, oh, you're on channel, blah, 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 blah. Or, oh, it's playing on. And I'll be like, okay, whatever. And if I, like, if I am home in New York, I'll just be I catch myself, I'm like, I wonder I wonder what song they're on. And then I'll scroll over. And then there I am, three musical numbers in. And I'm like, oh, you got sucked in just like everybody else. Because well, it's
0: good. If it sucked, you wouldn't be watching it. It's like, it's perfect. Okay, I want to talk about Huge because I love that show so much. Oh, and yeah. uh, this is a great ABC family show that was about people going to camp. And uh, you were the star of that show. Unfortunately, I only ran for one season, which I'm sure was probably like so devastating because it was great and people loved it
1: it was uh, it was a show ahead of its time unfortunately yeah. i believe um because now the body positivity movement is so huge no pun intended um but huge was a show that just was about acceptance for everybody and so like being who you are um for figuring out who you are. And that's what I loved about Huge. My character at that point, she was a girl who wore all boys' clothes. You know, she didn't conform to anything. And so that's what I loved about her. She was so vastly different from Tracy. She was not happy. She was not chipper. She was she was selling candy out of the bathroom in, you know, at Fat Camp. Like she was going against the grain at every at all odds and that's what i loved about her she went to the beat of her own drum and i loved filming that show i loved working for abc family and you know it was so cool when we when i got the nomination for like i think it was um like best uh, teen choice awards like mm-hmm. best actress in a summer series and i was like oh my god and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, it was canceled.
0: What a mistake that was. It was so good. Also, along with that show, I remember it very clearly. There's a huge billboard of you in Times Square. Oh, my God. In the bathing suit. Tell me about seeing that for the first time. Oh, my God. Because I am someone who likes to go in the pool in a full, like, sweatshirt, sweatpants, sock, and hat. Agreed. So I would... I couldn't handle it. So tell me how that was for you.
1: First of all, I'm not, I'm not a big beach goer or like, I'll go to the pool occasionally, but like, I always have my thing around my waist. Like, you know, that's my, and this was definitely eye-opening to say the least. I was in New York City. I was doing press for the show. My best friend, Gino, called me and he said, where are you? And I said, I'm in Midtown. He said, what street? I told him, he said, go around the corner and look up. And I went around the corner and I went. (gasps) And then he goes, now walk around to the front of the building. So it was on this corner. And then when you went around the corner, it was right on the other side. And I was like, oh, mama, there's two of them back to back. I was like, that is a lot of Blonsky And I was just, but you know what? I was incredibly proud of that because you know what? I was like, I hate to tell you this world. And if anybody's offended by that photo, I'm sorry, not sorry, because this is what a lot of America looks like. And people should be able to put on a bathing suit, no matter what size you are. Put on a bathing suit, go enjoy the sun, go enjoy the beach, go enjoy the pool, live your best life and don't worry a damn about what other people think.
0: I love that so much. And it was so exciting. And I hope they should do like a reunion show of like you all going back to camp now or something. I will. Oh my
1: gosh. I should be the counselor.
0: I'll pitch it. Um, (laughs) You're also on Smash and Ugly Betty. You had a great role on those two shows. I mean, you were like working. You're doing a lot of things. You do this wonderful movie with Burt Reynolds called The Last Movie Star. And I know you have such a connection with him or had such a just a wonderful connection with him. Can you tell us a little bit about working on that film with Burt Reynolds?
1: Working on that film with Burt was honestly, it was one of the films I I needed that film at that time in my life. Um, Bert was somebody who was just made an incredible impression in my life. Um, I met him on set. He had not, I don't think he had seen Hairspray and Clark Duke, who was in the movie with us, who played my amazing boyfriend in it. He told Bert that I was a singer and uh, Bert asked me to sing for him. And I said, well, and this was on set, like crew, everybody watching. And I'm just like. (laughs) The, the the director literally yelled "action" and Burt goes "cut, wait, Nikki, do you, you're a singer," and I was like, "Yes, sir, I am." And he said, "I'd like to hear you sing," and I was like, "Okay," and like so I got nervous and I was like, "What am I going to sing for Burt Reynolds?" And I sang my grandmother's favorite song, which was "Crazy" by Patsy Cline. And uh, it was what she raised me on. And after I finished, Bert looked at me and he said, Patsy was one of my best friends. And from that moment on, we were two peas in a pod. Like whenever they were looking for me on set, they would just go to Bert's trailer because they knew I, I was in there. He became very much like, you know, a mentor. Um, he was just he was incredible. And he was such a gentleman in this industry. He was a fierce movie star. He fought his way to the top, you know,
0: going from- and a great lover of theater and Broadway and music and- And
1: then went on to teach the craft at the Burt Reynolds Institute in Florida and share his gift with so many people who are now continuing to make movies. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the kind of people that I- When I look back on the experiences that I had, I'm like, the experiences, the movies, they've been wonderful. But the connections that I've made with people, the human connection, the bond, that's what I cherish.
0: It's so special. And obviously, people love you and have such a closeness with you when they know you, especially. That's how I feel about you. And just uh, seeing you today makes me so happy because, you know, you're like the real deal. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton bank and Celtic bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. How do you deal with the times when you're not working, you know, and so much of your adult life and your young life has been focused around project after project when you have a year without a movie or, you know, how do you figure out who you are outside of the business?
1: It's hard. It's extremely hard. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't struggling with that right now as we speak. Um, because, you know, you start one project and you're on a high and you're, oh, my God, yeah, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And then whoo, movie wraps, crash, burn. We're all like, what? For like, you know, what's the next thing? Where are we going next? And And what I've realized is, like we were talking about earlier, about, you know, only being given certain roles, I realized that I needed to start to write and I needed to write and create those roles for myself that I didn't see in the auditions and I didn't see that were coming out, you know, for pilot season. So I started to write and I've started to write, adapt a couple of screenplays myself. And, you know, I just think it's important to, you know, keep the dream alive. You know, my dream started so young, but it's just getting started. And there are times when I get scared, and I think maybe I should have just gone a regular route, done the nine to five jam, and you
0: no. Know, it's not for but you. then
1: I'm like, thank you. I mean, every you know, a couple of my friends who I've spoken to recently, they're like, no. Like, what are you talking about? No, it, you have to sing, you have to perform, you have, and it's true. I feel most alive when I'm singing. And even when I'm having those moments of doubt, when I'm having those moments of where am I going to go next or what's going to happen next, I go on to Spotify, or if I need to be reminded, I go on to Spotify and I just pick a song that I know I can sing through and just belt my brains out and just let it all out. And I sing it out. I sing out my stress.
0: When we first met, you were doing, uh, that Feinstein's, uh, you were doing your solo show oh, yes. and I know that that was a very stressful experience, but you were so good and so young to be holding the room like that and it singing one after another. it was so incredible. But, uh, would you consider doing something like that again? Like putting together another solo show
1: that is currently in the works right now. Yeah. That is currently oh, in the works because baby, it has been however many years. A little mama over here has grown up. And yes. I'm you have gonna, stories you, to tell. I have so many stories to tell and there's so, you know, music has changed. But there's so many more songs to sing and so many more stories to tell. And I just can't wait until, you know, public venues open back up because I
0: am dying to sing live again. I, I you just know can't wait. I will be there or I'll direct it. Anything you want. I'm, I'm there for you.
1: I would be honored.
0: Okay. We have to talk about you being the queen of cameo. Because oh you have gosh. changed so many, you've made so many people happy with your cameos. You're so good at it. And you've done thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Um, what is it like being able to connect with your fans in that way?
1: Cameo has been just one of the coolest experiences ever because it's a literally an opportunity to engage with your fans and, and, you know, give them a personal shout out for their birthday, anniversary, a pep talk, whatever, whatever they're going through. I mean, I've gotten ones where people have just come out and they wanted to celebrate or people are getting engaged and they asked me to propose for them. You know, um, I've been, yeah, I had, I actually had a request. Somebody asked me to do Um, a video for their mother's memorial service because she was such a huge hairspray fan that she requested it. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. So it's been, there have been some intense experiences, but um, I mean, I'm just so glad that I get to be a part of people's special days or memorable days or days that mean something to them and you know share the message sing the songs of hairspray spread i mean and also message. you're the
0: queen of personality so it's like it's like the best fit like you well know, i just love to have
1: fun on there yeah. you know and and just have fun with with the people and now what's really cool with cameo is we do these live facetimes every once in a while and yeah. uh they're like I don't know, ten bucks a pop in five minutes, and it's really fun. Like it's just, it's just talking, just like this, and it's so cool. And so well, I get, to meet, cameo. I, I get to meet my fans. I get to meet my fans face to face, and and it's really cool. And so yeah, cameo is just. It's been something that another thing that while in my downtime. You know, when I'm not acting, when I'm not on set, this is very much something that's been keeping me going is my cameo being like, okay, you have X amount of cameos to do today. Girl, get up, put your up. on. It's time to go. We got to get ready. Sing some good morning, Baltimore.
0: <laughs> You had a very big moment this year, speaking of coming out videos, where you have uh, told the world your truth and that you are a lesbian. And I'm and so, a
1: unicorn. <laughs> you're a
0: unicorn. And we welcome you to the community. Um, how is your life different now that you're living this new level of your truth in, in the media and the world?
1: Um, you know, I think people are finally starting to see me as Nikki and not as Tracy.
0: Yeah. Um, I and think, the more time away from it, the more time you can be who you are, whatever that means.
1: Yes. Um. Not that I'm trying to run away from Tracy. I love her, and she will always be a massive part of my life, and and I cherish her. But I think you know, as I I'm 32 now, and as I get into my 30s, you know, I really need to explore what makes Nikki happy, and you know, um, and so coming out for me was something that I'd wanted to do for a while. Um, and it just felt like the right time. I was on my friend's Instagram live show and Alec Moplov, my dear friend. And I was like, we were talking about uh, raising money for the transgender law center in LA. And, um, yeah, I came out. And then after that, we decided to, put up a TikTok in case anybody, you know, wasn't listening. Did anyone miss
0: it? couldn't miss it. <laughs> and you broke the internet because everyone was writing about you. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. You know, it's so funny. It's like, I know some people, I think it caught some people off guard and some people, you know, some people say to me, oh, I knew, oh, oh, oh I knew. And I'm like, really? Because like, I, you know.
0: You're like, I wasn't and- sure.
1: I was like, it took took me a minute to get there, but, um, but it was something I had known for a very, very long time. I just always wanted to be known for my work. You know, I wanted to be known for everything that I was putting out and doing. So I wasn't as concerned with like letting everybody know, you know, every aspect of my personal life, but I realized that, you know, I am a public figure and and people want to know. So, Hey, you know, um, but the answer to your next question is, no, I'm single.
0: I wasn't even going to ask that, but I was <laughs> if you think it'll affect your career in a positive way. And I, I, I think it will.
1: You know, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Um, you know, you never know in this business, you never know who you could trust. You never know who, you know, any of that stuff or, or how people are going to receive you or whatever. But what I will say is this is. People can't knock me for being honest and being true and being loyal to myself. So if you don't want to hire me for my sexual orientation, then I don't want to work for you. That's
0: amazing. Now, Nikki Blonsky, I need to see you on Broadway. Now, I know that... I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this, but many years ago, you were offered a Broadway show which you had to turn down because you were working on a film project. Mm -hmm. Um, That must have been a very hard decision for the Broadway baby inside of you. And I'm sure it's something you think about and we're going to, it's going to happen. It's getting you there. But I just want to know if that's in the plan. Like, is that something you want to make sure happens? You know, gosh, my
1: dream. This is my ultimate Broadway dream. Ultimate Broadway dream is someday they bring back Sweeney Todd and I play Mrs. Lovett.
0: Well, we can make we can make that happen.
1: I mean, that is my ultimate Broadway dream. I I would love. Uh, I mean, there's so many things. I'm I, like, I have crazy aspirations. I'm like, I I would love to sing Carmen at the Met one year. Like, you know, like, but. You know, um, but I think me playing Mrs. Lovett is an attainable dream and I played her before in high school and I would just love to do it on the, because Angela Lansbury is my acting idol. She is, she is, I bow down to her. I met her at the Drama Desk Awards and I just, I, I had no words.
0: Um, I feel a very similar way about her. She's probably the most special ever. Um, okay couple of things and we have to do quick fire and I didn't know what you're obsessed with. You are doing this great podcast. I listened to a bunch of episodes yesterday called Nikki nights available on Spotify. It's available kind of everywhere now, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. YouTube, iTunes, all of it. Are
0: you just loving doing it?
1: I'm having so much fun. We've had some awesome guests. I mean, really, really, really fun guests. I mean, we had Ryan Russell, the first out NFL football player. We had his boyfriend, Corey O'Brien, who's an amazing dancer. We've had, oh, David Bertka. We've had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people come on. And we have a wonderful lineup coming up that I'm so excited. I can't wait to share this lineup.
0: All right. So everyone should just make sure you uh subscribe to Nikki Nights on Spotify, which is what I did. So I could get all of my Nikki Nights as needed. Thank what you. how, you're in LA now, are you working? You just wrapped a movie or you're working on a movie now? It I says guess. a lot of pre-production. You're you're very busy. You have a lot going on.
1: <laughs> we we started the movie, we paused the movie right now. We are uh fixing some things with the movie, and then we're gonna go back in a little bit. So I'm just kind of hanging out here doing some work. Pre production on a few things. Yeah.
0: Now, what do you wish you knew when you could go back to that girl, Coldstone, the night that her life changed? What do you wish you knew then that you know now?
1: Gosh, I would tell her to just live in every single moment as much as possible, as fast paced as it was, and how, you know, just really soak up every experience. And to, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and not, um, you know, the people that really have your back are the people that are there with you. And that's my family. So, you know, that's that's, that's what I've learned. Um, and and you're
0: it. ever evolving. You're learning, you know, we're all learning lots of stuff about ourselves. Forever, every evolving,
1: day. forever evolving. And I'm learning, you know, that I... You know, like I said before, that my way of relieving stress is just singing it the heck out, and you know? So, you know, as long as I'm learning and ever evolving and growing as a human, that's all You're I can all
0: ask for. Nikki what are you obsessed with right now?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, mm, two TV shows. Um, uh, I'm obsessed, like obsessed, like with Guy's Grocery Games. Guy Fieri. All right. Guy Fieri is basically—he has no idea how much time he spends with me. Um, That's like, like Andy
0: Cohen for me. Like he does not know how much we hang out. Go
1: right. Ahead. He is—he is the perpetual voice in my—in the back of my room at all times, day and night. Um, I am obsessed right now with the single life, the uh, spinoff of the Ninety Day Fiance show. Wow! 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 Amazing. Okay. Who are you that. obsessed
0: with on like who's your who's your 90-day fiance obsession?
1: Mm, that's tough. I mean, like like couple, a couple like I really love Danielle to find love. All right. I really would like Danielle to find somebody sweet and kind.
0: Look um, at you. You're like so sweet
1: i'm so invested in these people you know like i watch the show all the time and you know i i you know there's so many fun characters on there but i just hope they all find love big ed listen i love, love i love my
0: culty i want to know everything that happens to culty i don't because know he
1: he pulls game he is he just- is trouble.
0: All right, we have to keep going. My okay. obsessed this week is Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. It's so good. Get into it. That's all I'm going to say. Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. Okay. These are the Broadway Workshop quick fire questions. Are you ready? Mm. Your very first audition song. On My Own. First my Broadway mix. show. We all know where On My Own is from, <laughs> Ivansky. Um, first Broadway show you saw.
1: Oklahoma.
0: Favorite Patsy Cline song.
1: Crazy.
0: One thing about working with John Travolta.
1: That he's the sweetest, most kind, gentle human on the face of this planet. And I love him. And he really did take care of me like a mother would on set. Like he always made sure I was warm and I had enough blankets and enough to drink. Like he was, he's the best.
0: Did he try to make you join Scientology?
1: Never. Right.
0: Favorite restaurant on Long Island? Oh, that's so
1: hard. That's so flipping hard. I mean, Karen Blonsky's Kitchen is number one okay, because okay. anything my mother cooks is like the best. But if I had to pick my favorite pizza on Long Island is Gino's in Great Neck.
0: All right. you Gino's heard it here. in Great
1: Neck. You got to go get a slice, get a Sicilian slice and grab a bagel while you're there because they
0: do bagels too.
1: Oh no, 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 no. Bagels are across the street. Okay.
0: Great. Um, what did you think of Hairspray Live?
1: What did I think of Hairspray Live? I wasn't in it. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) I think that they did an amazing job. I know what a machine it is, Hairspray, and for them to do it live and put all those moving parts together, kudos to them. Yeah. I give them so many props. I think they did amazing. I adore Garrett Clint Clay- Garrett so much. And uh and so I think they have you're, it out you're a
0: politician. Pitch. Good work, sister. I have lots of thoughts about hairspray life. Okay. Fill yeah. in the blank. Um well also the movie's you know, perfect. like we didn't we didn't need a hairspray. Like the movie your movie is perfect. Okay. Um fill in the blank. Zach Efron is a sweetheart. What do you want on your bagel? Cream cheese. Um, do you have your doll?
1: I don't. I have a Link doll and an Edna doll.
0: I have your doll somewhere. Um, what is your go-to album for a car trip?
1: Ooh. Um, go-to album is going to be somewhere. It's going to be two. It's okay. It's going to be three. Justin Timberlake, Future Sex, Love Sounds. Um... Melissa Etheridge's Come To My Window album. And then it is going to be... Mm, there was one more. Oh, Stevie Nicks. Yes. Dreams.
0: Okay. Who's your number one favorite Broadway leading man? Ooh, that's hard. Michael Severus. What role should Patti Lepone play in the Hairspray revival?
1: In the Harrisburg revival.
0: You just have to cast her as something.
1: I mean, I feel like she'd be a killer
0: Velma. Oh, yeah, she would
1: be great. She'd um, be
0: amazing. I want Plank movie to be a musical.
1: Um, oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know. 10 things I hate about you.
0: Yes, that's great. All right. Um, What would your housewife tagline be?
1: Just because I'm short, don't underestimate me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's your favorite housewife?
1: Oh, it's, oh, okay. So I have two, I have an East Coast and a a West Coast. All right. I'm with Gina all the way.
0: Yes, Gina. Gina Gina Kirshner. She's MVP this past season, definitely.
1: She is. I love Gina. So Gina and Teddy Mellencamp. Are my West Coast girls? no,
0: Teddy. Sorry, Nikki. Keep going.
1: Well, it's only because I've met her. She's so sweet. sweet. And then Caroline Manzo. Caroline Manzo.
0: Good one. Sonia's my number one of all the times. You gotta love Sonia. What did you get to keep from hairspray?
1: Um what did I get to keep? It's more like what I what I walked off set with and what didn't did you let see? them know. Um, <laughs> I took my Tracy watch. I took, I am, what else did I take? Oh, I took a pair of my Tracy Keds that I wore, my little sneakers that I wore during I Can Hear the Bells, and a pair of flats that they made for me.
0: Are you a good driver? No. I'm four uh, foot
1: ten. I can barely see over the wheel. And the steering
0: wheel. Uh, who makes you starstruck
1: honestly reality stars
0: i'm i'm with you
1: like i've met angelina jolie like three <laughs> feet away but yet when i met the cast of the real world i was losing my shit
0: <laughs> have you ever seen a ghost yes one thing you cook really well
1: ooh my mom's meatballs
0: Mm. Uh, do you do any impressions? Yes. Of what?
1: Oh, well, I just do accents. I like to do accents.
0: <laughs> Me too. I do them so bad, but I love it. Um, have you ever left a show at intermission?
1: Um, does it count if it's one of my own? <laughs> no, I've never left a show um, at intermission. Um, No.
0: Nikki, can you stop the beat?
1: No, the beat will never be stopped. Um, and
0: the last question is what advice do you have for young performers? Get ready.
1: Um, it's gonna be tough, but you're tougher. And you yes. have to find you have to find the inner strength to keep going. There's gonna be a bunch of doors that are gonna be Slammed in your face, and you're going to be told no. You're too this. You're too that. You're not enough this. You're not enough that. Guess what? You're just right for something. You are just right for something. So for all the people that tell you no, for everybody, for for the three no's you hear, you're gonna hear a yes. So you have to, as my grandmother used to tell me, treat people the way you want to be treated, and have faith that everything will work out, and what's meant to be is meant to be. So. For the, I look at it this way, for the jobs that I've auditioned for and haven't gotten, I haven't gotten them for a reason. They weren't meant to be. And the jobs that I do get, they're meant to be. So just know that your journey is your own. It's what you make of it. And if you have a passion, you have to follow it. It's not going to be easy, like I said, but nothing worth having is easy. easy.
0: Nikki, you are the best. Tell the people where they can follow you.
1: Oh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nikki Blonsky M-A-K-K-I-B-L-O-N-S-K-Y and on TikTok, because somebody stole my name it's the real Nikki Blonsky and that's where you can watch my fun coming out video of me dancing around, celebrating that I'm gay.
0: You are (laughs) you are the real deal the real Nikki Blonsky. I'm so thankful you took this time to chat with me. I miss seeing your face and person, but I'm so happy for you. And I can't wait to see you back in the movies. And I can't wait to see you back on Broadway, well, on Broadway. And I can't wait to see you back doing a club act and all the things. So only the best for me to you always. And I so appreciate you. And I loved always having you at probably Workshop. So we have to get you back there too, as soon as we can. You're the please, best.
1: Please. I will be there in a heartbeat. You know it. And I have to tell you, I have met a lot of people. You know, especially right after hairspray, it was like, boom, I met like everybody, but you just took such kind care of me and you were always so sweet to me and that always touched my heart. So I just thank you and I adore you and I love you and I can't wait to see you in person hopefully soon.
0: Well, Nikki, you're the best. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: Stay well, everyone. Bye,
0: Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dori Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm littleme. And follow me on Instagram at marktuminelli or on Twitter at thattuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening.